I am a gator. I breed orange and blue. But I'm also a Dallas Cowboys fan. Remember, Emmy Smith came from Florida. I saw him play as a freshman. We're not going to talk about the Cowboys today. I don't know what Jerry was thinking this week by letting DeMaury go. We need, to, we need to pray for Jerry. But I tell you, I thought I came to this country to get an education. God brought me here to change my life. And believe it or not, you are also in the kingdom today. And God has called you and changed your life. Because you and I were meant to have an eternal impact. I got to tell you off the bat, I got a condition called PDD. Most preachers have it. It's called Podium Deficit Disorder. I can't stand behind this thing. And Derek told me I can't come off the stage. If not, I promise you, I will come down there. But I got to get moving around. I like it loud. We are talking about Almighty God. Can I get an amen? Now we're talking. This ain't a funeral. God has been so awesome. If you can go to the next slide. You just met my wife of 23 lovely years. There she is. We celebrated our 23rd anniversary last week. And uh, I'm telling you, man, she's going to help me get to heaven. We have two lovely girls. Uh, they're both disciples. They're back in Georgia. Uh, Gina is our oldest. She goes to Emory University, and she's studying computer science. And our younger daughter, Ashley, uh, just turned 19 a few weeks ago, and she's studying accounting at Georgia State University. But they send their love. They wanted to come to Texas. I told them to stay back. Because they, they are paying in-state tuition in Georgia. I said, you need to stay there. Education is expensive. And we preachers are poor. But they, they're doing great. They're back in Georgia. But it is so awesome to be in this church. You guys have awesome leaders in this church. You really do. I've known several of them for years, you know, obviously Todd and Patty, and uh, believe it or not, two of your elders were part of the sector I was in Boston before I left, in Carl and Don Murray. And uh, it's amazing to, to, to see them now, now they're here serving with George as your elders. You guys have awesome leaders. And they don't come right like that, like that very often. Trust me, I've been around a long time. You know, the Mancinis are here, obviously the vets. I've known Derek for a very long time. I knew him when he had long hair. But uh, it's, it's been awesome being here. And like he, like he shared earlier, his daughter Haley is going to come join us on the mission team. I promise you we're going to take care of her. Amen? It's going to be awesome. We've moved to Corpus Christi. Our stuff arrived a few weeks ago. And so we're busy unpacking. And God willing, by the end of this month, there'll be five of us down there. Our goal is 25 on that, on that mission team, and right now we have 11. And so I'm praying that some of you guys this morning, that the Holy Spirit is going to move you to come join us in Corpus Christi. 
that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you to pack up your bags and to go to Oklahoma. Because when God calls your name, you need to answer. That is the title of my message this morning. When God calls your name. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. When God calls your name. Genesis chapter 12. Outside of Jesus, my most favorite character in the Bible is Abraham. Oh, I love me some Abraham. I can talk about Abraham from now till kingdom come. But we're going to stick with Genesis chapter 12 this morning. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at the Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the sea, Oak of Moreh, excuse me. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Notice, Abram, that was his name at this time, a few chapters later God changes it to Abraham, same person. Notice Abraham is minding his own business when God calls him. And that's the way God always operates. You'll be doing your own thing, going about your business, and God will come calling. Now I don't know about you, I like to know where I am going. If you tell me to move, I'm going to ask you where to. But when God called Abraham in this story, he had no idea where he was going. And the Bible tells us that he packed up everything he left. I want you to imagine the conversation. Abraham, where are we going? We're going to find out. You mean I have to pack everything? The goats, the sheep, everything, we're going. Where are we going? You'll find out soon enough. And they left. Why? Because God called him. You and I, just like Abraham, God knows your name. And God has called you into his kingdom for such a time as this. You are not here by accident. You are not meant to just come to church and fill up a chair. God put you on this earth and in his church for a reason. Am I talking to anybody in here? You need to understand who you are in Christ. And there needs to be a bounce in your step. Because let me tell you something. When God calls you, He knows what He's doing. Amen? We're not here by accident. God called him, He packed up everything He had, and He left. It's amazing to me, it's very humbling that God even knows my name. It's amazing to me that God knows your name. That He will call you by your name. You see, like I shared earlier, I was met at the end of my first year of law school, actually the beginning of my first year, but I studied the Bible at the end and I became a Christian very quickly. And when I was getting ready to graduate from law school, I was trying to decide where to go. I had a lot of options. But I decided I was going to pray and fast. And I said, God, I want you to reveal to me where you want me to go. Goldman Sachs came 
She tried to recruit me as an investment banker. I turned them down because there was no church in Miami at the time. They were going to send me to Miami. I said, I ain't going to Miami. They said, good luck to you. But I decided to pray and fast and to seek, seek advice. And it was amazing. By the end of the week, I said, I'm not going to get up this fast until God, I believe you have answered me. Everything was pointing in the direction of Boston. And I spoke to a brother who was the campus minister at the time, Mike Fix. And he was the last person I got with. And he asked me, he says, Richard, why are you scared of going to Boston? I said, you want to know the truth? I said, something inside of me tells me if I go to Boston, they're going to send me to Africa. <laughs> he said, there's only one way to find out. I thought, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I didn't even wait for the graduation ceremony. I packed up everything I had and I left. I was in Boston exactly 10 months. Again, minding my own business. When Mike Tolliver showed up, he sat me down and says, you know, bro, let's go to Africa. What will stop you from going? I thought I had the perfect excuse. I said, Mike, I'm barely in the, I'm barely, I'm very new in the ministry. I don't know what I'm doing. And he smiled and he says, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And here I am 26 years later. You see, when God calls you, you got to go. You got to answer. You see, as baptized disciples, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But you see, a lot of times, we don't answer that call. God is wanting you to do stuff. God wants you to move somewhere. Now don't get me wrong, I know majority of us are not going to Oklahoma or going to go to Corpus Christi. We're going to be right here. But let me tell you something, this is your mission field. Oh. You, you didn't hear me. This is your mission field. All those men and women screaming in the, in, in the, in, in the stadium, down the road. Someone is, who's, who's going to convert them? It's going to be you and me. God is calling us to have an eternal impact on the lives of people. God calls you by name. You see, when God calls you, the way you answer will change your life and the lives of many people around you. We need to answer the call of God. You see, a lot of us in here were parents. And each of your child has a name. So that when you say, Jerry, he answers. When you say, Jennifer, she knows you're calling her. God calls us by name too. As a matter of fact, that's why you have your name. So that when people call, you can answer. <laughs> you see, this stuff is not rocket science. It really isn't. <laughs> see, I remember when I was growing up, I think I was about nine years old. And my mother called out to me. And uh, she, called me, she called out to me in my, native, in my native name. My first name is not Richard. I actually gave myself the name Richard. I'll tell you that at some other day. There's a story behind it. But she called out to me, and I was outside playing with my friend, so I went in, we were staying in our upstairs apartment, so I went in, I, wa I walked into her room, she was lying down on the bed, and she goes, could you get me that stuff on the dresser? And I grabbed it, and I gave it to her, and I started to walk out, and I had the audacity to stop, and to turn around, I said, Ma, you called me all the way from outside, I was playing with my buddies, you could have easily gotten up and done this stuff yourself. 
Needless to say, I don't remember anything after that. Man, I got the most serious whooping in my life that I still tell my kids about. She said to me, look here boy, when I call your name, I don't care where you are, you answer me. I tell you something, after that day, when she called my name, I ran towards her. You see, when God calls your name, you've got to answer. You've got to run towards God, because He's calling you to something great. Amen? There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lady in our church in Atlanta, Ann Williams, awesome lady. She was like a mother to me, and uh, she and her husband were converted very late in life. He's passed on now. Larry. Larry took his grandson to the doctor. You know how it is, you're waiting in the, in the room, and they call your name. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the lady goes, Malachi Williams. You can see the doctor now. Boss, eight years old. He didn't move. Malachi Williams? They were the only ones in the room. <laughs> then he goes, aren't you Malachi Williams? He goes, oh, mm. that's not my name. My name is Malachi. <laughs> I'm not, I don't answer to Malachi. <laughs> Look it up, it's in the Bible. <laughs> and obviously he went and saw the doctor. When God calls your name, you need to answer. Now notice, when God called Abraham, he made him seven promises. He says, I will make you into a great nation. He says, I will bless you. He says, I will make your name great. He says, I will cause you to be a blessing. Number five, he says, I will bless those who bless you. Number six, he says, I will curse those who curse you. And finally, God says, I will bless all peoples on earth through you. Do you realize that God is still shaping and blessing the entire world as a result of these promises to Abraham? You and I are the beneficiaries of it. Have you ever thought what would have happened when God called Abraham if he never left? Say, I don't know where I'm going. I ain't going. Believe it or not, God is our ultimate GPS. I know a lot of times we are always afraid of tomorrow. We are afraid of what we cannot see. But God is already there. God already sees your tomorrow. Are you with me? So you got nothing to be afraid of. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to wonder. But the God who called you will see you through. Will get you through on that journey. Are you with me? Abraham wasn't perfect. And I think sometimes we think as Christians we need to be perfect. He was a flawed man. How do I know? You go read the rest of the story. Twice the man lied. Not once, twice. He looked at his wife and said, hey, Honey, we're about to go into this place. If they ask you, tell them you're my sister. She was 65 years old. And the Bible says she was gorgeous. Awesome looking. Just, like, just say you're my sister. He lied about it twice. And yet, God continues to use them. So much so, the second time he lied, you know, God, showed, God, God tells Abimelech, listen, you are as good as dead. You better even turn that man's wife to him. Then he goes, I haven't done anything. And what did God say? God says, return his wife for he's a prophet. What kind of prophet is that? He was a lying prophet. <laughs> Again, when I read verses like that, it encourages me. Because I know, you know what, I'm going to blow it from time to time. 
And if God could use Abraham, God is going to use me too. And God is going to use you too. Amen? So you need to give yourself a break. Here's what I think the problem is, brothers and sisters. Too many times when we mess up, we focus on that. And God is looking at the totality of your life. Not just the little times when you and I blow it. He's looking at your whole life. Amen? You got to stop allowing the devil to continue to accuse you. When Satan shows up, you tell him to get lost. Amen? You are a child of God. God has called you for a reason and he wants to use you and will continue to use you. Amen? Again, I want you to notice. Not all these promises come about immediately. You and I know the story. God is telling the man who doesn't have a child, he's going to be the father of many. Ha! I would laugh too. Sailor laughed. Says, after I'm worn out, I'm going to have this pleasure to, to have a child. And yes, he did have a child. And Isaac had Jacob, and you know the story, with the patriarchs. And you and I were called the children of Abraham. When we obey God and we have the faith of Abraham, the Bible teaches us. But all God's promises don't come through in 24 hours. Again, I'm glad God doesn't answer all of our prayers all at once. Because if He did, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, there will be nothing to look forward to. Think about it. If God gave you everything you needed right now, there's nothing to look forward to next week. There's nothing to look forward to next year. I'm glad He does it in little bits. As much as you and I can handle. And that's exciting. When God reveals something to you, He knows you can handle it. If not, you will not be going through it. Amen? Remember, He lives in us. And He's walking through us. Sometimes you and I will pray, and God will answer with a yes. I don't know about you again, I love yeses. Yeses are good. Many times we will pray, and God will say no. No! When the cowboys are playing, when my girls are playing, I am praying. While other people are yelling, I'm in the corner somewhere, I'm praying. We're playing Detroit Lions. That was clearly offensive interference. You know it and I know it. They picked, they threw the flag, they picked it and said, God, you're awesome. We went to the next game. Dez catches the ball, takes two steps, stretches. They said, no. He didn't control it. And I'm praying, I said, God, please. It's been a long time since we went to the Super Bowl. Father, please. God said, no. I didn't sleep that night. It's okay. We're going to get back there. Sometimes God will tell you no. Sometimes God will say wait. Again, I don't like to wait. You know, I'm a guy that lives by the clock. It's like, are you kidding me? How long has it been? Come on, can we move? We don't like to wait. But God, sometimes God will make you wait. And then the fourth response, which is my favorite, is when God says, I got something better in mind. Ooh, yes. Where you pray for something and God does more than you ask or can even imagine. Oh, those, those are awesome. 
Well, you see, sometimes when we pray and put things before God, we get one of those four responses. But those promises are going to come about. When the Bible promises you and I something, God is going to bring it about. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. In verse 4. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God is talking to Jeremiah here. He says, before I formed you, I knew you. You see, you and I were not an afterthought. God knew us even before the creation of the world, Ephesians 1 tells us. That should give you a lot of confidence. You and I are the most important people on this earth. Yes, right now they may not know your name, but let me tell you something. They're about to find out who you really are. We're very special in God's sight. Before you and I were born, just like Jeremiah, God knew us. Before we were knit together in our mother's wombs, God, the Bible says, set us apart. And appointed us as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah said, I don't even know how to speak. God says, hey, hush up. That's my interpretation. You must go to wherever I send you to. And he did. You are on this earth for a reason. You are living in that neighborhood for a reason. You are in that office building for a reason. There are people there who are going to spend eternity with God. And God is going to use you. Not somebody else. This is not one of those, here I am Lord, send him. Oh no. It's got to be, here I am Lord, send me. And the Spirit of God inside of you will continue to help you. But do you know who you are in Christ? Where does your confidence come from? God cares about you. You see, it takes faith to trust God with your future. It really does. I remember telling my mother I was going into the ministry. She thought I was talking about the ministry of justice. I said, no, I'm going to be a preacher. She said, what? I said, yeah. You heard me. I'm going to be a preacher. She said, like your grandfather? Yeah. My grandfather was an Anglican minister. And she paused for about five seconds. She goes, no, you know what? If that's what you want to do, fine. But you should have told me years ago because I wouldn't have spent all this money sending you to school. I remember she came to our wedding and she actually she paid for the whole thing. Um, they came from Nigeria, from Lagos, and we got to Kenya. When I asked for Sarah's hand in marriage from her father, she says, go bring your family. I said, well, they are crossing West Africa. I said, go bring them, nonetheless. And so I brought them. And at the reception, at our reception, she's giving a speech, and she said, you know what? The more I look at the Bible, the more I realize that there's so much that we haven't done, and we need to do, and need to become. And she says, I'm so glad that these children, our children, is doing something about it. She died six months later. It tore me up. 
It took me years to recover. But see, there's no doubt in my mind that God put me on this earth to talk about Him. And brothers and sisters, that's all sharing your faith is. It's telling other people what God has done in your life. It's telling other people where you found bread. And say, you know what, you're going to find living bread also here. That's all it is. It's not rocket science. It wasn't meant to be. I know a lot of times we go out, you know, inviting people to church and we say, oh, I went out sharing my faith. Technically, you didn't. You went inviting people to church and that's great. And I believe that's part of sharing your faith. I believe it's the beginning of sharing your faith. But sharing your faith is having men and women into your home. Having other girls and girls in your dorm room and talking to them about God and telling them how God has changed you. Telling them, you know what, I used to smoke. I used to sleep around. I used to lie. I used to cheat. Let me tell you what changed. That is giving your faith away. And when people see that God has changed you, they start thinking, you know what, maybe I also can change. When people say that you repented, they start thinking, maybe I can repent. That's what sharing your faith is. That's why you and I were put on this earth. So that people can see us as God is transforming us. You say, well, I don't know what faith is. Of course you do. You know what faith is. You live by it every single day. You got here this morning by faith, whether you believe it or not. How do I know that? When you got up this morning and you got into your car, what do you do? You turned the ignition and you started driving. You didn't come out of your house and say, car, I need to go to church. If I start you, would you start? You are not talking to your car. Now if you talk to your car this morning, we need to have a talk. Because there's help for that. But you got into your car by faith and you drove over here. You know what faith is. Today is March 15th. In another two weeks, we're going to get paid. I don't know about you, I like payday. Payday is good. I got a question for you. Have you seen the money they're going to pay you? Seriously, have you seen the money? You haven't. You're walking towards the end of the month by faith. Please don't go to your boss tomorrow and say, you know what? Show me the money first. And then I'll work. Okay, I did not ask you to do that. You may get fired. But every day you get up and you go to work, believing that at the end of the month, they better pay you. Or there's going to be problems. That's faith. How come when it comes to God, we're like, show me first. We got to stop that. You wouldn't do that with human beings. And yet, we're always in the habit of, God, you show me this sign, you do this first, and then I'll follow. That is not faith. And the, my Bible says, according to your faith, will it be done. When we got to Kenya, several years ago, to start that church in 1989, you can put that picture up. And um, that's, right, that's us right there when we got married. Tolliver did the wedding, and uh, he was my best man also. You know? And Amajid was pregnant at the time. When we got to that country, they had stopped registering churches. And so we got there, you had to get a permit for every meeting you had. Bible talk, midweek service, everything, Sunday service. We had to get a permit. 
Lo and behold, Sarah becomes a Christian a few, a few years later, about a year later, and I didn't know who she was. Her father was a big time politician. As a matter of fact, her father was one of the few men who went to England to negotiate for Kenyan independence. You mentioned his name, everybody knew him, but I didn't know him, I was from a foreign country. But anyway, we get married, and one of Sarah's sisters is married to the Attorney General's brother. And so the Attorney General came to our wedding, and he stayed for the whole thing. I remember sometime during the reception, Tolliver looks at me and says, Hey Rich, that's the Attorney General, why don't you talk to him about registering our church? I said, I can't put the man on the spot just like that. I said, you know, God will do his own thing. As we were leaving the reception, he looked at me and he says, you know what, I want to talk to you and Sarah when you get back from your honeymoon. We went to Victoria Falls for our honeymoon. We came back. We went to see him. He welcomed us in. We sat down. He says, how was the honeymoon? We told him it was great. And he looks at both of us. He says, I have decided to register your church as a wedding present to both of you. that is accident no I don't think so in a few months that church is gonna be 25 years they got now 1700 disciples in the church in Nairobi and I'm saying we don't have to figure it all out God will figure it out for you God will tell you exactly what he wants to do amen but we gotta trust him we gotta continue to walk with him you know Derek and Leanne went to Russia and they learn the language. That's a hard language to learn. And they speak it very fluently. Now we live in Corpus Christi. Got all kinds of people there. There's whites, there's blacks, there's Hispanic, everybody. Guess what? I need to learn Spanish. And so I'm looking forward in a few years here to be able to speak Spanish with an African accent. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I go around, I mean, our agent in Spanish, he goes, here's what you say. Como se dice, and then you plug in the English word. And so that's what I've been doing. Hey, como se dice this? Como se dice, and people are very friendly. They've been very helpful. He said, where are you from? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I just moved here. I'm a preacher. You need to come to church. It's starting right here in my house. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to that. If you had told the vets years ago that their daughter was also going to grow up and want to go on a mission team, they would say, you don't know what you're talking about. You never know what God is going to do. You never know where God is going to lead you to. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. You don't have to turn there. He says, for you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare His praises. He says, once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You and I were called by God into His kingdom to declare His praises. You and I were called to make a difference in this life. You need to make sure that your life counts for something. You are not here by accident. In Psalm 139, verse 16, if you can let me put that up. It's going to be a neat trick trying to read this from here. It says, you saw me before I was born. 
every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Every single day we're on this earth. God has left us here for a reason. The day my job is done, God will take me. The day your job is over, God will take you. I have another confession to make. I think about heaven every single day. I think about heaven every single day. Guess what? To get to heaven, I'm going to have to die. I'm looking forward to it. That's the gateway. It's just a passage. So, if I start thinking about heaven, I'm going to die. Guess what? You are going to die, whether you think about it or not. Seriously, are your backs packed? Are you ready to face your Creator? I am. Mine is. My bags are packed. I wrote a will many, many years ago. I need to update it, but it's, it's written nonetheless. Seriously, do you have a will? When God takes you, do you want your family scrambling around, not knowing where stuff is? Or are you going to write it down and say, you know what? I, that belongs to me. This is over here. This is over here. That's all a will is. Say, well, if I write a will, I'm going to die. You didn't hear me. You're going to die whether you write a will or not. Do it for your kids. Do it for your spouse. Amen? Yeah. But I'm looking forward to getting to the other side. It is going to blow your mind. Yeah. Heaven is going to be incredible. A place where there is no pain. No sorrow. No more crying. Oh my goodness. Perfect bodies. New bodies. Man, I used to be 20 pounds lighter. <laughs> I can't wait to get back to that weight when we get to the other side. I'm still struggling, man. I love my french fries. These days, I don't even have to eat them. I just look at them and I gain weight. Some of you guys don't have that problem. God bless you. But I'm looking forward to getting a new body that's not going to break down, that's not going to get sick. It's going to be exciting. We're not going to be there. Nobody's going anywhere. Amen? Amen? It's going to be incredible. And that's what God has called us to. I want to show you our new logo for the church. That's it. We're calling ourselves the Gulf Coast Christian Church. It is a registered legal entity. We're working on our tax exemption as we speak. We got our web name going, everything. I like to take care of business. We say, where's your church at? It's my house. <laughs> then I tell him very quickly, you know, that's how the church got started. In the first century, they used to meet in homes. In church buildings is a, is a recent phenomenon. But you see, I want you to pray for us at Corpus Christi. I want you to pray for us that God will bring the right people. And right now, we have 11 on our, on our mission team. Our goal is 25. But my, I know that nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. But a lot of us, like I said earlier, this is your mission field. 
And I want to thank you for all your years of sacrifice, financial sacrifice and prayer for the churches in Eurasia and in Mexico and all other places that you've supported. You have to be commended. One of these days, you're going to meet those brothers and sisters on the other side. And they're going to come up and they're going to thank you for giving faithfully year in and year out to missions. We're going to Corpus Christi on your generosity. And I promise you, God is going to bring a hurricane about in that city like they have never seen before. Not because of me, because of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to pray for us. As the Bolans go to Oklahoma City, pray for them. Put them on your prayer list every single day. Pray for God to move in the hearts of men and women. And I have no doubt that we are going to see a spiritual hurricane in Oklahoma and in Corpus Christi. And so brothers and sisters, as you and I get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, let us remember that God has called you by name. God has brought you into His kingdom for such a time as this. That Jesus hung on a cross, died for you and me, so that you and I one day will get eternity with God. One day, one of these fine days, there's going to be an ultimate roll call. And when books of life, the book of life is opened, and your name is going to call, and your name is called, you are going to answer. I am going to answer. My descendants will answer. And God will say, come in and enjoy your master's happiness. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for calling us by name. We thank you for Jesus, his body that was broken on the cross, and his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Father, we want to see your face one day. Keep us safe. Keep us close to you, Father. I pray that every single person this morning within hearing on my voice will be in heaven. I pray that our descendants would not be missing from heaven. That Father, you will move powerfully in our lives and, and you continue to move in the Dallas church. We love you Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his precious name. Amen.